0: Today we're going to talk about something that has the potential of destroying your life. We've been in a series. The series that we've been in are the seven deadly sins. And we've been talking about each of the deadly sins um, each week. And we've been trying to understand because we believe that these deadly sins have the potential of really ruining your life. And we want to, what we want to do is we just want to take, take a look at them and ask God to address them within our hearts. We know that we struggle with these, and we just ask God to, for guidance and, and even healing of some of these. Today, today we're looking at anger. I remember... When I was very young, I I remember this experience with anger, and it's, you know, the things that you're going to regret most in life are probably have something to do with lust or anger. Do you know that? If you look back on your life and you look back on the things that you deeply regret, they'll probably be associated with a fit of rage or a fit of lust. Well... Last week, we talked about lust. This week, we're talking about anger. One of my most regrettable moments, do you have one of those moments when you look back that you cringe at? One of mine has to do with anger. Let me tell you about it. I was around seven or eight, maybe nine years old. And I was having a a fight with my sister, who was older than me. And we were arguing. And it just got really ugly, really fast no idea what we were arguing about, but I was really, really mad. We were super poor, so we never got Christmas gifts, never. Um, It was something that would come up every once in a while, you would get a Christmas gift. And we were also, our family was the black sheep of uh, of the extended family, you know? And so when we came over, it was interesting to see other kids, like other cousins, open up gifts and then You know, somebody must have like ran in, got a card, put $5 in it, and gave it to each, you know, me and my brother and sister. So it was just like that. That's the way we grew up. But this year, this year, one of us, not my brother, not me, but my sister got a gift. She got the gift of a jewelry box. No jewelry, but a jewelry box. The jewelry box was super special because when you opened up the jewelry box, it had this little ballerina that spinned around and it had like this little song that it would do. She loved that jewelry box. She, it was like a treasure to her. It almost like confirmed that she was a young lady. It was very, very powerful and beautiful to her. So some months had passed. We got into this fight. And I got so angry. Do you see where this is going? We got so angry. I remember picking up her jewelry box, lifting it above my head, and smashing it on the floor. It was one of those moments that in the moment you knew you did something bad. Have you ever done like you say, oh? In the moment, like I, even it got through my anger, even though I was in a rage. But in that moment, I recognized that I had, I had, I had stepped over a line. I had harmed her more because the, the, it meant more than just the little jewelry box. It was the only gift she had gotten. And as a young lady, she, it was just a treasure to her. I believe she would still have it till this day if it had not been for me. I wonder if I'm the only one with regret related to this issue, anger. All right. Have you gotten to the place where you exploded in anger and it hurt those that you loved? I don't know, maybe, maybe it was a backhand to the kid and you regret it till this day. Maybe, maybe you got so angry that you told your wife things that she still reminds you that you told her. Maybe, maybe you said things to your parent that they'll never be able to get over. See, see, when we're angry, the words that we speak, they're like bullets. They don't, they don't get put back. And we do the kind of scarring that leaves people hurt, sometimes for their whole lives. I've done enough counseling to know that there's a group of people where you'll come into the room and you'll be like, hey, you seem upset. You know why I'm upset? It's because of you and her and him and them and that. And sometimes you're so overwhelmed by the anger, you just have to say, hey, hey, um, I I think you were angry before you got here. I think that there was a root of anger and rage that you had not yet addressed. And that is just spilling out to everyone who comes close to you. Some of your marriages are struggling because of this very thing. Some of, your, some of the reasons why your children can't stand to be in the same room with you is because of this very issue. Anger addresses all sorts of things in our lives. So today we're going to do, today we're going to look at this issue of anger. I'm going to ask Jesus to to address some of it. it. We are literally going to go into the most complex passage I've ever preached. In fact, this passage is so complex that I got insecure. And in your bulletin was the passage that I knew I could preach. And so that's not the one we're doing. (laughs) But I was so insecure, I was so afraid that I wasn't going to be able to preach this. And to be honest with you, I'm still kind of afraid that I won't be able to communicate this in the way that I think it should be. But we're going to try. And I hope you won't get too angry. Uh, But there are, this this issue has a way of really affecting, listen to me has affecting every issue, every relationship, every moment. Now, in our society, if you come, if I don't know, because like in New York we have like 100,000 cultures. There's so many cultures in New York. But in, if you come from a traditional culture in New York, that means like... It, I come from a traditional culture. It's a Puerto Rican culture. We had all sorts of views on how women should behave and men should behave, what the responsibilities, but you know, they were a, lot of, a lot of them were good and a lot of them not so good, but they were just cultural and all that. Well, in our culture, uh, unless you were the person in authority, you weren't allowed to express your anger. For sure, if you were a kid, you weren't allowed to express your anger. And so we were taught, that just suck it up, deal with it, what are you doing? Hey, hey, I'll give you something to be angry about. That kind of threatening behavior that made sure that if you had any negative expression that you would hold it deep inside. And so maybe you come from that culture. But as we grew up, we grew up in a society that celebrates not the family so much as it does the individual. The individual sovereignty is the most celebrated thing. So you're an individual, so you go, no, you have to express that anger. In fact, psychologists have told us that for years. If you grew up, in the, especially in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the, the psychologists told you for years that the only way to uh, deal with your anger was to express it, and the way you expressed it was what? Beat up on a pillow, scream, you know. But here's the problem, and here's what psychologists have found out since giving that kind of um, suggestion, that little kids that beat up on pillows eventually become young men that beat up on wives. That people who express their anger in violence with inanimate objects, eventually express their anger on the people and the issues around them. So these two are not healthy ways of, or they're not, they're not exclusively the healthiest way of expressing your anger. We have to look at anger from a, a third way, a gospel lens. One that doesn't say, suppress it, And one that doesn't say, well, express it any way you want. One that doesn't go implosion. And one that doesn't go explosion. But a different way. Another way altogether. To deal with it directly and truthfully and beautifully. Many times when we go through the scriptures, we talk about, um, we look at what what we can emulate. We go, oh, look. You know, David um, trusted God, and can we learn to trust God with the power of Christ? Or we'll look at another passage where we'll go, oh, this is a great example of what a follower of Christ would do in this moment. Not so in this one. Today we got nothing but bad examples. We're going to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and we're going to look at the first murder, where anger has taken hold of someone to the degree that that person then takes hold of someone else's life beloved there is no coincidence that jesus combines that jesus associates that jesus connects anger with murder because anger anger has an explosive effect that can do even the kind of damage that you swear would never happen from you. We look at the passage in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. It's a long passage. Not sure I'm going to be able to explain every verse. Not sure, pretty sure I can't. And we're going to look at it. It's a Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. But I want you to... I want you to take this in. I want you to humble yourself and ask God to help to reveal how you are like Cain, how we are like the very person who expressed anger in the worst way. As a tradition in our community, we stand at the reading of God's word because we reverence and respect God's word, you, don't, you might not. Like If you're here and you're like, yo, I don't believe the Bible, ancient book, full of uh, nonsense and contradictions, we're super, super happy and super glad that you're here. And, and I think there's something to learn here. And I think that even if you don't know Jesus or don't want to know Jesus, I think that there's something beautiful that you could learn about anger. And I think it'll help you in your marriage and your family and, and in many other areas of life. So, But if, if you are a follower of Christ, Everybody, whether you are down with Christ or not so down with Christ, all of us, let's take a look at this text. And um, I'll read it to you. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. why are you angry? Look at me. Let that question seep and sink deep into your heart. Why are you angry? Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother. Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where's your brother, Abel? I don't know. He replied, Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opens its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wander on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, "My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me out from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me." But the Lord said to him, "Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance 7 times over." Then the Lord put a mark on Cain, so that no one found him. No one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of not, east of Eden. This is God's word. Have a seat. The reason we need to pay attention to today's scripture is because anger will color. Anger will cloud every relationship, every circumstance, everything you do. So you want to address it. And you want to address it now while you can, before, before the terrible happens. So Adam and Eve are out of Eden. In fact, they're east of Eden. Interestingly enough, in chapter 3, it reminds us that both Adam and Eve, the family of God, had moved east of Eden. They're no longer in paradise. They're east of paradise. They're east of Eden. Of Eden. They're no longer in the place that God wanted for them. Well, they got together and produced children. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions and some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Let's look at this for a second. Because the question, doesn't it beg the question, hey God, what's your problem? Why don't you just look at the guy's offering? He gave you an offering. Interestingly enough, the Bible says in other places that while man looks on the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. Isn't that interesting? See, God addresses you with the issues of your soul, not with the actions of your hands. It's easy, especially if you've been coming around to Recovery House of Worship, you're doing fine. You've been clean, sober, However, whatever you know, recovery program you're involved in. Or maybe you're not involved in any recovery program, and you're just a good, good dude. You're a great gal, and you do what's right, and you take care of your kids, and you pay your bills, and you do your taxes, and you're a great person. And it's possible to be sitting here and absolutely lying to yourself about the deception of your own heart. See, God won't just look at your outward expressions. He looks at your inward intentions. And so this is what happened here. Interestingly enough, though, Cain's outward expression really did reveal what was going on on the inside of his heart. Now, when you understand that Hebrew, when the Hebrews wrote what they were writing down here, they have a tradition of being giving clues. They're not like a... They're not like a TV show that's super overt, that tells you everything that um, you need to know. They give you clues so that you see what was going on. So look at what happened. Look at how it describes Cain's offering as opposed to Abel's offering. Um, In the course of time, that means that, you know, they they grew up and, you know, and that happened. Cain brought uh, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Now look at Abel's offering. Abel also brought an offering, but wait, what kind of offering? Was it just some of the fruits, some of the fat, some of the, no, he goes, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. You go, I still don't get it. Cool, I'm glad you're here. This is why you paid to get in. So the reason... The reason that this is different is because God says, I want to be first in your life. Whenever you put me, anything other than first, you make an idol. You make a God out of whatever you put first. Could be, what could it be? Could be your marriage. Anything that you put before God, you wind up destroying. You wind up corrupting. Could be your marriage. Good thing, but not a God. Could be your kids. Oh, I love my kids. I live for my kids. My kids are my heart. That's my number one thing. That's not so bad. But if you put your kids before God, again, kids are good. They're wonderful. Terrible gods, kids are. You get that, right? Maybe money. Maybe money's the thing for you. That's the thing that you put in front of everything. I gotta, you sacrifice your family on the altar of making money. Got to make that money. Got to make that money. I get it. I understand. I'm telling you, anything that you put before God, you wind up losing. God knows this about us and he says, listen, I want you to put me first because I can bless everything in your life. If you put anything else first, it will only suck the life out of you. Many of you don't believe that, but all you have to do is just look at some of the relationships where you've been obsessed with someone else. Look at what has happened when you put something in front of God. Some of us, what have we done? We've put, we've put alcohol before everything else. Let me ask you, how'd it go for you? How'd it go if you did that? Some of us, we put, you know what? We put our own happiness before everything else. And that describes and that explains why you had the divorce. It explains why the kids don't want to, because it was all about you. It was God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? Which is insane, because happiness is a moving target. What made me happy at eight years old didn't make me happy at 18, didn't make me happy at 28, didn't make me, I don't want to keep on going, but you get my point. Like it didn't make me happy as I grow Happiness is a moving target. So if God gave you what what would make you happy now, that very thing would make you miserable 10 years from now. It's not the goal or could make you miserable 10 years from now. Cain brought some of the fruits. Abel brought the very first and best. Abel recognized that God was the source of all the good things that he had. And Abel responded with a level of gratitude that recognized God as worthy of worship. While Cain did his religious duty. In other words, he came to the Sunday service. He wore his best. He sang the songs. Maybe even raised a hand or two. He went through the motions, but God wasn't the expression of his joy. And so God said, I'm not taking it. Thanks, but no thanks. I don't know if you've ever done this. Like, you know, my kid, I have uh, two kids, one who knows how to cook, one who doesn't know how to cook. One is Lydia. Lydia is a really good cook. She's the second cook in the household. It's first my wife, Liz, and then it's Lydia. She can really cook. Anything that she decides she wants to cook, I've always enjoyed. right? And then there's my son, David. I eat nothing of what David does. It's very dangerous. I'm sure David is trying to kill me. David will come up to me, he's five years old. He'll come up to me, he'll go, Papi, just try it. Just try it. And I always do the same thing. Like, you know, let's say, for instance, this is the edge of the spoon. I go, oh, mm, very good. No, 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 really, try it. No, nah, man. Listen, I love you. Like good food. You'll experience how much I love you when you get older. But I tell you, I ain't eating your food. Right now, today, today, he has a bowl in the freezer of coffee grinds and salt. Coffee grinds and salt. Okay? If I ate that, you, I would, I'm sure I would die. I'm sure. But he don't care. He just wants me to try on his thing. So I'm like, nah, man. What's interesting is that my son knows deeply how much I love him. I just can't receive what he's given me. Cain didn't know how much his God loved him. And that because his God loved him as much as he did, he couldn't receive. He would be setting Cain up for putting something in front of God that would have only destroyed him. God said, nah, I'll pass on the coffee and salt. And Cain's response should have been, God, would you just i got a defective heart. i got a heart that wants other stuff more than I want you. But that wasn't Cain's response. Cain's response was, how dare you, God, not accept my leftovers. I could do an entire sermon on that with tithing, with how you give your finances. I could do a entire sermon on how you serve. I could do we're not doing that. I just want you to know it's a heartbreaking thing to go to God and get angry with God for not accepting your leftovers. God loves you too much to accept your leftovers. And so So Cain was angry. I'm sorry, was he angry? No. he was. Very angry. God, you are not responding to me the way you're supposed to. And his face was downcast, not depressed. He just showed it on his face. I'm kind of like that. My wife always says, like, you know, when I'm feeling like uh, tension and stress and anger or upsetness or disappointment, my wife will always, surprisingly enough to me, will always go, what's wrong? And I'll always lie. I mean, this is like the number one thing I lie about. She goes, what's wrong? I go, nothing, every time. But she goes, dude, I should take a picture of your face. Like, if you're not upset, well, she doesn't say this, but she probably should. If you're not upset, you should tell your face because your face looks pretty bad. And so, and so his face was downcast. He was angry. And then, and then we see a contrast. We see a contrast. Between Adam and Eve and and Cain. Then the Lord said to Cain, now this is super important. God saw Cain while he was angry and confronted him. And said, beloved, son, I want to talk to you. There's something that I see that's in your soul that's going to cause all sorts of damage and havoc. There's something that I can tell that's in your heart that needs to be plucked out. I want to address it. Come here. I want to address it with you now. Then the Lord came, spoke to Cain. And there's so much that we could take out of this because this is God's way. He confronts lovingly. He says, this is the truth. I don't want you to live in a lie. I don't want you to believe that you're better off than you are. This is where we're really at. I need you to see you the way I see you so that you don't fall into the pits that I don't want you to fall into. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? And again, I would just say this is the question that I would ask every. Don't, don't listen to this sermon and go, you know, I really wish so-and-so was here to hear this. <laughs> oh man. If so-and-so was here to hear this, it would change everything. That they really need to hear this. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is this sermon is for the person sitting in your seat. And so, why are you angry? This is the question that we have to address. This is the question that we have to confront. This is the question that we're afraid to look at. Why are you so angry? Let me tell you something about anger. Anger has a way of, this is why in um, Ephesians chapter 6. This is why in Ephesians in fact, that's in your bulletin, is what's in your bulletin, is Ephesians chapter 6, in verses 30 or 31. Liz, do we have that? Maybe I messed it up. Go to verse 30 or 31. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, just in case you were like, I'm not sure what anger you're talking about. It goes bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, for those of us who, wanna, who are little lawyers, um, Uh, Along with every form of malice, next verse. Be kind and compassionate to one er, one another, forgiving each other. Here it is. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. You see, God wants us to address it just as in Christ. We, they don't deserve any of our forgiveness, but we give them our forgiveness. Not because they deserve it, but because we've received this forgiveness. Now, Liz, go to the top of that verse. What was it, 26? This wasn't necessarily, I wanted to do this towards the end, but not, um, no, go to 26. Like the very top of whatever you have in your bulletin. If you have your bulletin, give it to me. Somebody give me your bulletin. Okay, there it is. In your anger, do not sin. Here it is. This is what I wanted to talk about right now. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. This is massive. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. The reason that you and I are walking around with such anger is because we let the sun go down on our anger. That's what happened. That's what happened. So let me get the three of you guys up here. I want to show you something. Come, the three of you. Yeah, Yeah, we didn't practice this. So welcome them up. Yay. Thank you. Okay. Now, it's a serious subject, so no goofing around. Stand right there. Stand right there, wonder, happy birthday. This is going to be a great month. Okay, now watch this. What happens is, is that something happens when you're young. Let's imagine this is the ages of 0 to 10 or 12, okay? Something happens when you're young, and it hurts you deeply. And you're wounded. And there's no way to address it. Maybe somebody touched you that shouldn't have. Maybe you got physically pummeled. Maybe they told you that you were a loser your whole life. And that seeped so deep into your bones that it's an, it's, it's an identity now. And then what happens is you don't address it at this stage of life because how could you, right? It's a terrible thing to happen. It's a trauma. It's a difficulty. Then you get to this stage of life. Let's call this um, 13 to 25. You get to this stage of life and you start developing and thinking through your, the issues of anger and, but you don't really think through them. You just go, oh, that was back then. I, I'm no longer there anymore and nobody's ever going to treat me like that. And then here's what happens. That's what happens here. Then by the time you get here in life, beloved, when you get past 25, what happens when you get here is that you don't know why you're angry. Do you know why? Because you let the sun go down on your anger. You see, you let the sun, you let the season of life pass without addressing your issues. And now, you don't know why you're so angry. You just know you are. Beloved. This is why the question is so powerful. Why are you so angry? Thanks, guys. You were wonderful. Appreciate your help on this. Why are you so angry? Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, not, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is, and there it is, it's crouching at your door, right? Crouching tiger, hidden dragon, the one who's going to come and destroy you. It's waiting there for you. Some of us explode in anger. We go, oh my gosh, that wasn't me. That wasn't like me. Beloved, you don't understand. It's exactly you. You gave it a foothold, and it took a stronghold in your life. (laughs) Okay, I, we have no more time. Let's go to the practical, let's go to the practical um, thing. So how should we deal with anger? This really should have been a series on anger, I know. I'm sorry. So how should we deal with anger? How should we deal with it, right? So we know that anger has a way of, so, so there's some things that we have to do. The first thing we have to do, if we're gonna deal with our anger, and, and write this down. If you have pen, pencil, and mascara, you wanna write, write this down, okay? <laughs> Um, catch we're gonna catch it, confess it and carry it that's how we're gonna deal with our anger say that with me catch it, confess it and carry it say it one more time catch it, confess it and carry it last time catch it, confess it and carry it that's how we're gonna deal with our anger so here's how we're gonna do we're gonna catch it early we're gonna catch it early now what that means for you is would you do me a favor would you just go to the store, and it's new, we're still pretty close to the beginning of the school year, that you can actually do this for like a few cents. For like 75 cents, maybe 50 cents, depending on what, it, you can get like a little notebook. You know what I mean when I say like a, little, like a little marble notebook? Have you ever, like for school? A marble notebook, yeah, yeah, like that, but the bigger ones, you know, like the, the taller ones, but the ones that look like that, more or less. Yeah, thank you, actually, I'll take that. Thanks, Rosalind. you're awesome. I love audience participation. This is great. So, you know, the the little marble notebooks that look like this, the little composition books, you've seen them. They're like 50 cents, a dollar max. If you're paying more than a dollar, you're paying too much. Okay, and then here's what I want you to do. On the first page, I want you to start praying, God, who has hurt me? Who has hurt me? Now, the temptation is going to be to point at the people who are in your direct vicinity. Do you know what I mean by this? The temptation is going to be to point to your boyfriend or husband or sister or brother or the the people who are pissing you off right now. I shouldn't have said it that way. (laughs) Sorry about that. We will totally edit that from the... the, the, I'm sorry about that. Thank you. The people who are upsetting you now, uh, that's the temptation, to point to them. What I want you to do is don't do that. Just, I mean, if you want, you can write their name, fine. Write their name. But then what I want you to do is I just want you to write their name, Hilda. (coughs) Then turn the page. Leave that page blank. And then on the second page, write another name that God brought up to your mind. Who's hurt you? Write it down. Then do this for the week. and And then skip another page. And then write the name down. Right now, here's what that's gonna do. You're gonna get a bunch of names if you do that. You're gonna get a bunch of names, and then what I want you to start write, um, uh, what I want you to start doing is actually I want you to start writing down what, what did they hurt you, what did they take from you. You know, hey, so and so took my innocence, so and so took my trust, and, and and you can do this any way you want, but so and so took my innocence, so and so took my trust. You can write the long story. He promised you to love you forever, only until he got you in bed. And then he broke up with you, and it devastated you. Maybe that was it. I don't know. I don't know who hurt you, but here's what you have to do. Got, We've got to catch it early. If we're going to catch it early, we're going to have to see some stuff that, we, that we're not seeing right now, OK? Now, as you do that, there's a second step to this process as you catch it early. What I want you to start doing is, as you're walking through the day, I want you to go, hey, Don't deny. Don't suppress, like we said before. Don't explode, like we said before. What you're going to do is just start asking yourself the question that God asked. Why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? And it might be simple. It might be because she didn't, you know, the girl behind the counter didn't get my stuff, and I've been waiting here, and she served somebody else. Eh, is that it? Okay, maybe, maybe. But maybe there's something more beautiful, maybe, not beautiful, but maybe something more profound than that. Maybe there's something else there. Catch it early. Catch it early. Because if you wait till it gets out of control, there's no help in you at that point, right? Have you ever seen that? Have you ever, seen, have you ever been that where you've lost control and nobody can speak any kind of sense into you? Yeah, sure. Okay, so catch it early. It has a two-step process. The first thing is I want you to go back. I want you to go back into your past, write some names down, do that, right? And then I want you to start asking the question that God asked. Why are you angry? Why are you angry? Why are you angry? Okay. Secondly, confess it thoroughly. Here's what I mean by that. When we confess it thoroughly, we're actually being, um, we're being specific with why we're angry. So here's the thing with me, right? The reason that I get angry is when something that I love is threatened. But the problem with my anger, the difference between my anger and God's anger is God's love is always beautiful, perfect, and true. My anger, or, and, and the reason that God's anger is always beautiful, perfect, and true is because it's based out of his love. Anybody know? Finish the sentence. God is love. Right, right, right. That's why God gets angry. And you go, wait, how could God get angry if he's so loving? It's easy. You couldn't get angry. If you weren't loving, you wouldn't get angry. Let Let me ask you something. Your kid, if someone is attacking them, you get angry at that or you're like ambivalent towards that? No, you get angry. Why? To the degree that you love them. That's how angry you get. Isn't that right? Yeah. See, anger is born out of love. The opposite of anger is not so much hate. The opposite of anger is apathy. It's not caring. It's not, not giving a care. That's the opposite of anger. And so we've got to confess it thoroughly. Here's the real reason, and here's what it looks like in my life. There are four major idols that you and I experience and go through. These four major idols are comfort, approval, we've talked about this so many times. Comfort, approval, significance, and control. Yeah, control. So here's the problem. You know why I'm angry with my wife? Let's use control for a second, right? You know why I'm angry with my wife? Cuz she's not submitting to my plans. You know why I'm uh, you know why I'm so angry? With the, with the, uh, with the uh, bumper-to-bumper traffic. You know why I'm so angry with the bumper-to-bumper traffic? Because it's uncomfortable. They're messing with my comfort. Do you know why I get so angry when you somebody comes up at a meeting and says, "I just want to thank Susie and Johnny and Andrew for helping me this year," because they were so, and I get angry. I was like, "I helped you a lot." You know why I get so angry? Not because they're not grateful, but because my name is not up in lights. It's significance. That's why we're not doing the superficial stuff. We're going to the heart of the matter. We're getting out of the surface and we're going to the root. That's what I mean about confessing it thoroughly. And if you want to learn more about idols, we have a whole series on it. You can look it up on the internet. And then finally, um, and I gotta do this quick, here we go. We have to carry it to Christ. So, first is catch it early. Second is ca- um, confess it thoroughly. And third is carry it to Christ. This is important because there's nothing that you've ever gone through, no issue that you've ever experienced that Christ can't identify with you about. No harm. Have you been, have you been rejected by the people that you loved? Jesus knows what that feels like. Have you been betrayed by some of your best friends? Jesus knows what that looks like. Have you ever been accused of something that you have you ever been accused of something that you feel innocent of? Jesus knows what that's about. You understand? We go to Jesus and we go, Jesus, and here's the thing. Jesus experienced those things from me. I have betrayed Jesus. I have turned my back on Jesus. I have promised Jesus things that I didn't deliver on. And how did Jesus respond to me? By laying down his life for me and paying the penalty of my sin. Beloved, we carry it to Christ on the cross. There's this incredible verse that says here, if we jump down, we have to look at this. The Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? By the way, the Lord never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to. He's just giving Cain an opportunity to confess and repent. Cain is not trying to. He's not having it. Where is your brother Abel? I don't know. He, he replied, am I my brother's keeper? This is what you would call a smart aleck reply. And it's, and it's borderline, um, it's just awful. It's, 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 it has no remorse to it. It's, yeah. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now, this is important because Abel's blood cried out for vengeance. But there was another that came who gave the Heavenly Father his very best. And his blood was shed by the very brothers and sisters that he tried to love. His blood cries out for mercy, not for vengeance. His blood cries out for your forgiveness, not for your damnation. The blood of Christ was shed on the ground, shed to the ground on the cross, so that you and I could be forgiven. You and I are guilty of the death of Christ. Our sin had placed him there. Surely, if you could raise people from the dead, surely, if you could heal blind people, surely, if you could do that, you would have no problem with defeating a few soldiers. It wasn't those soldiers that put Jesus on the cross. It was his desire to forgive you and have you in right relationship with him. Beloved, there's one whose whose blood cries out for mercy. And he cries out mercy for your life. So don't turn from him, but carry it to Christ. Carry your anger. Carry your hurt. Carry your wounds. Carry your molestation. Carry your rejection. Carry it all to Jesus and find in Jesus the comfort so that He can experience, you can experience his comfort. And your anger can experience redemption and mercy in Christ. Now, what would it be like? What would it be like if you actually took me seriously? What would it be like if you took God's word seriously and decided that for the next month you were just going to pray and ask God for names and then write down what they did to you and then say, God, what is that? And then, confess it thoroughly. This ruined me. This hurt me this deeply. And then, and then you carried it to Christ and asked him as he forgave you to forgive them. And that you did that on a daily basis as well, not just with the stuff that happened way back then, but the stuff that's happening now. What would happen in your life? Let me tell you what would happen. Your relationship with your spouse would be better. You know what would happen? You wouldn't get fired from work so often. You know what else would happen? You know what else would happen? Your friendships would deepen because you wouldn't be the scary person to be around. You know what else would happen? You would feel freer and more liberated. If you took God's word seriously, it would transform your life completely. So I'm not trying to tell you to not be angry. There's appropriate places to be angry. Matter of fact, if if there's some areas where you're not angry, I wonder if you feel it all. What I am saying is that you would let your anger be under under the gaze of God within the context of the gospel and allow your anger, allow your wounds to be healed and allow forgiveness and rest and trust in Christ, not trust in your idols, not holding on to resentment of your past, but holding on to Jesus.